Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker. Through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscapes of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Ben Roth, a multidisciplinary artist working primarily with sculpture, furniture, and printmaking. He draws his inspiration from the natural world and tries to draw attention to the environments and systems that can teach us so much. He's also an avid fisherman, trail runner, and former restaurateur. We talked about how he found the art world that he could exist and thrive in, how when he's teaching art to students, he's really teaching them confidence and bravery, and why business skills are essential for any aspiring artist. Morning, Ben, and thank you very much for welcoming me into your studio here in Jackson, Wyoming. You bet, Aaron. Thanks for coming by. We've known each other for over 20 years, and it is super impressive to see the range of art that is scattered around this town as well as the country, and a lot of it's represented in this studio in the moment in terms of the different mediums you're working in. So give us a sense of the different materials, the different approaches you're taking with your art right now. Sure. Uh, I've been sculpting in wood, uh, which I've really enjoyed, but I'm pretty slow at it. Uh, I've been making things out of bike chains. I work with screen a lot. Uh, and some bronze and fabricated steel, and then printmaking. And so if I cruise around Jackson, where will I see some of your projects? I've got quite a few pieces of art at a pseudo restaurant on Broadway. I've got a big uh, silver marlin and a wooden longhorn skull and a gazelle and a few prints and a burnt wood raven. That's really nice. And I've got two pieces up at the Cloudvale Hotel, and I'm working on a third for them right now. Those are wooden skulls with uh, screen antlers or burnt wood antlers. So in terms of the, the folks who are hiring you for work, it, you've got a range like big hotel chains, you've got um, individual folks as well? Yep, yeah. Uh, not a lot of rest hotel chains these days. I've worked for the Four Seasons. Uh, local restaurants have hired me, a couple local hotels. Uh, the Town of Vale, I've done a lot of work for them. I've done some public art here in Jackson and then private collectors. And when you transition between, say, building a sculpture out of metal or, you know, carving something out of wood, you know, does it require a lot of shifting in the way you think about things or is it pretty seamless to move from medium to medium? And then I guess, has it always been that way or has it been a skill you've had to learn to sort of adapt? Well, with my personality and my attention span, having a lot of material is sort of what I need, like a variety, being able to switch, like turn around and step away from one medium and work with another. Uh, The only thing that changes is like the tools that I'm using and the pace at which that material uh, presents itself or forms. Uh, So sometimes I have to slow it down. If I wanted to be doing something fast, I might be working with a different material. So is it safe to say that at any given moment, you will have all these different projects in flight and it's just wherever your energy, your focus is, you know, during that day. Obviously, you probably have timelines you got to meet for people. Yeah, it's most, mostly deadlines. And I tend to give myself kind of tight deadlines, but it's nice having two or three projects going on simultaneously so I can switch it up. 
And is that how you've always approached your art or is this something you've kind of started doing recently? Uh, it's how I've always worked. I've been told recently by some people in the quote art world that I should focus more on one material and one subject matter. And I've decided not to do that because the variety is one of the reasons why I like my job and like to make art. And, and you know, you're, slight allusion to the art world you know you don't come from from a trained background you know you, in terms of art as far as i know you said you took a couple of classes back in the day but you're mostly self-taught right yeah yeah i've uh my approach has always been like find the material start using it figuring out the tools you need and learn it from the ground up i've had some people ask me how to do things and i've encouraged them to explore on their own and not just because I don't want to share the idea, but there's great value in discovery and figuring it out. So, yeah, I didn't go to art school. Uh, one thing about the art world is that there are a lot of art worlds. There's not just one art world. And I've found an art world that I can exist in and thrive. How would you describe that particular world? Well, uh, I don't show in a gallery uh, and I don't do much marketing, but I've been doing this for over 20 years and I have a good track record. So I get recommended, it's word of mouth, and the type of people who are comfortable with what they like or dealing directly with an artist are the people who come to me. You know, some people are much more comfortable going through a gallery or an advisor of some kind, and some people really know what they like. And if they see what I do and they like it, we generally get along swimmingly. And, and when someone is, is choosing to work with you, whether it's an individual like myself or, or a company wanting a, an installation, how much participation do you want or like from them in terms of input or do you like to just kind of get a sense of what they're wanting and then you and then you take it and and, and you feel like you've got that freedom to go where you want to go with it i usually have that conversation at the beginning of the process to ask them how involved they want to be yep. uh, a lot of artists don't like doing commission work and I can understand why it's really tricky. I mean, dealing with people and communicating with people, especially people who can't visualize as well as artists can, can be confounding, but I'm a pretty good communicator with people and I can read people pretty well. And I usually ask them, do you want to be highly involved in the process or, or minimally involved? And then depending on what they say, will determine how many phone calls or photographs or video footage I'm sharing with them. But it is really fun. And in this day and age with the technology we have, I can have someone in California looking over their phone while we're playing with patinas at the foundry in Bozeman, showing them the different patina options for their gate or something. Impressive. So you've got something going on in Bozeman, the, what you're doing with the metalwork, is that right? Uh, no, I go up to Bozeman for the foundry. If I'm casting in bronze, I go up there. Uh, or if I need some patina work done on some fabricated bronze, I go there but I don't have any projects there currently. Got it. And so does everything get built in this space more or less that we're sitting in? Mostly. Uh, I also work over in Idaho. I've got a great crew at a shop called Premier over in Rexburg. And those guys are great. You know, they're down to earth, hard days work, hard days pay kind of approach. And uh, it's taken them a few years to kind of understand me because we come from such different worlds. But now we all really get along well and they have technology that I don't have or, or don't really want, like a laser cutter. You know, I don't really want to maintain a laser cutter, but they can, I can send them a line drawing and within a few days get the parts. Really cool. Yeah. And, and so you've been at this for 20 years and you had other jobs. When I met you, you were building out Restaurant Terroir, of which I became a 
first a bus boy and then uh, many other things at, yeah. at that restaurant. And that was a really cool kind of trail breaking uh, restaurant in, in Jackson at the time. Yeah. And, and not only in the food, but also the, the design. And, and you ran that uh, with your partner for a number of years. And then you had this sort of pivotal moment where, where you jumped ship and, and you went full on into the art world. What was the, the tipping point? What was the, the, the moment in which you're like, I need to go and do this other thing? Yeah. So I was a hotel restaurant management major, but I didn't have a ton of experience in the restaurant world. So I brought people in who knew more than me and that's how we did it. So I don't think anyone gets real credit for the origin, but I was involved with the design and I did all the metal work for the restaurant. And I've always made art and always liked making art, but I'd never really figured out what my medium was. And when I started working with metal, quickly became clear that that was a good medium for me. Like it felt like I'd done it before when I started using it. So by the time we opened the restaurant, I realized, wow, I really love fabricating things out of metal, but I had a restaurant to run. So I ran that for a little under three years while sneaking off to the metal shop and making things out of metal, uh, wine racks and furniture and things like that. And uh, then I got the chance to be bought out and I was a minority owner, so I didn't get a lot of money, but the money I got when I got bought out floated me for about a year and a half as I pursued my art career. And I figured within a couple of years, I'd be jamming and really doing great. Uh, it took more like five or six years to get there. And I did have to take some second jobs at times, which when you take a second job, it really cuts into your creativity and your production. And I'm really impressed with artists who are, can like write a novel while having another job or be producing art on the side. It's, it's impressive because it's hard. Yeah. It's distracting. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I would imagine that not being an artist, but you know, you've got your passions, the things you really want to be spending your time doing the things that inspire you. And then there's the stuff that you have to do at least temporarily uh, to keep the lights on. Yeah. Yeah. you got to pay the bills uh, and art's a hard way to do that. And um, you know, just to take a quick dip back to something you mentioned earlier about, you know, being mostly self-taught, but you also had, you know, a few people that had come into your life to sort of teach you a couple of skills. I think you had mentioned John Sims was pretty instrumental in your. Yeah. He taught me to weld and let me work in his shop while we built the restaurant. And then after I left the restaurant, I worked in his studio for a few years. Anybody else in other mediums that you've, you've leaned on? Uh, when I first moved to town, before I did the restaurant, I met George Northup. And uh, he's a bronze sculptor who's passed away now. Uh, and I thought maybe I would want to be a bronze sculptor. So I met with him and he's like, try sculpting in clay for 40 hours and see if you like it. Cause that's how hard you have to work at it. And I tried that. And after about 30 hours, I was pretty bored of it. And I think that's the other reason why I work in so many mediums. Cause I, I get bored. <laughs> and, and you also have, in addition to the mediums and this, in the range of clients, you also have, tapped into art in, in other ways here in Jackson, you know, there was a while where you were doing a, uh, some stuff with kids and, and sort of, I don't know if it was teaching or running workshops. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was interesting. It's funny how things happen in your life. Uh, like the same week I decided to leave the restaurant, uh, Karen Stewart from the art association talked to me about this project where she wanted someone to work with high school kids in some capacity, making art loosely based on a program down in new Orleans called the Yaya program, which I'm not sure still exists. Uh, and I said, well, I'm just kind of starting my career as a fabricator, designer, artist. I wasn't even sure what I was going to be. And I said, I can kind of teach the kids what I'm learning. So those first few years, I was like, okay, this week I went out and made business cards. So we're all going to make business cards. And I taught them how to uh, 
make bids and proposals and designs and prototyping. And then I taught them all how to weld and how to think creatively and how to brainstorm and how to work through an idea kind of as I was doing it. And I did that for seven years, had about a hundred students over those seven years. I'd say at least 20 of them are now working in the arts, which I'm super proud of. As you should be. And well, I don't get all the credit, but I definitely encouraged them and gave them some tools that I think came in handy when they pursued those art careers. And, and I think that that's a, a really important skill set that not everybody has, whether it's art or in some other industry, is the ability to, to teach and to explain and to get inside the mind of a beginner and to, you know, be able to really, you know, see the potential and then explain how one might see the potential of somebody else. And then also explain to them maybe paths in which they can get there. So, you know, you've always kind of had a helper personality as far as I've known you, right. You know, you, you care about people, you, you do care about communicating, you care about, you know, you bring a big energy, I think to a lot of spaces, you're known, I think in town is just, you know, always being positive and, and liking to connect. I mean, would you say that's, that's true of you? Yeah. I love being a part of the community and giving back to the community I don't have a lot of money, so I tend to donate art and I've done that with, and which is a great way to get your art out into the world. It gets exhausting, but it's also good and you're giving valuably to the community and it's fun seeing my friends, kids grow up in the Valley and those kids that I taught who are now young adults. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important to contribute uh, and teaching. I didn't really know how to teach and I don't, I think I did a pretty good job having not been trained in it, but I was just trying to, Basically, what I was trying to teach was uh, confidence, like bravery and confidence, like be brave, go for that hard thing. And then once I've noticed in my own life, when I have success at something that has a huge impact on you the next time you do it, like rock climbing, like once you send a route, suddenly it's like you're a lot stronger, even though physically you're not really that much stronger. But that success allows you to and making a piece of furniture out of metal just makes a kid feel 10 feet tall. And then that next project they would get into, it would be more adventurous and more confident. And that was my trick. That's kind of what I was trying to teach. That's awesome. And, and exactly what kids do need, right? It's like the, you know, the thing that they're particularly learning is not so much always the, the benefit. It's, it's the learning how to learn. It's the learning about yourself. It's the, you know, I always joke about, you know, college being a really important and fun thing for many people, but it's really about what you learn about yourself and how you navigate into adulthood. I thought that was the most interesting. So, you know, in terms of the path to, you know, the measure of success that you have now, it hasn't always been easy. So in terms of when you've been up against those things that were challenging you or pushing you in terms of making you take your own medicine, what, what transpired after you launched into the, into the art world full time and, and you've slowly moved up the ranks and the scope and the size of the project, but it's not always been super easy, right? No, it definitely has not been. I, in fact, I'm always a little reluctant to encourage people to pursue a career in like the pure arts, like just decorative arts or art for art's sake kind of work because it takes kind of all your time. You know, I've, I've worked average 60 hours a week for the last 20 years, uh, not much time off, not much traveling. So you just have to work really, really hard at it and have skill and talent. Uh, business skills also come in handy. You know, having started a business gave me these tools that allowed me to think practically and do budgets and how to be professional and the importance of being on time. 
sticking to budgets and things like that. So I had some good tools to help me and an energy level to help and just plugging away and learning as I go. Like I look back at some of my earlier work and it wasn't great, but it showed potential. And I think that I was able to kind of look at my own work and be like, I'm seeing improvement. I think I'm making something that has value. And in the last five, six years, I really think the quality has come around. It looks more pro. I could confidently make a piece of art for a museum and feel good about it and know that it was, it's going to hold up long-term. And the way I communicate with people, it's gotten better in learning what people want and delivering. The trick is like, you kind of have to bat a thousand, you know, like you have to always nail it. And that's uh, adds a degree of stress that I like. For sure. And, you know, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but I want to throw this at you. You know, it, it feels like, and maybe this is just in all parts of life, but balancing you know, the internal intuition one has around what they should be doing and, and trusting your own North star, and then also taking in feedback from, from folks, you know, and I think in small business, particularly, there's lots of people with lots of opinions about what you should be doing with your business Mm -hmm. and any thoughts about how you've navigated that balance between, you know, not shutting down and, and ignoring everybody that had good things to say, or, you know, to not, not getting steered off your North star because of someone else's maybe uninformed, uh, ill-informed opinion of you. Yeah. Uh, I do. I'm pretty good at taking advice and I seek out advice. You know, I'll go and talk to someone about something that they know more than me. I, I certainly don't, I'm not the type of person that needs to know everything or even do all the details of my projects. Like I learned a long time ago that collaboration is really valuable because there's other people that can do things better than you at all, all walks of life. Like I have a bookkeeper because I'm not very good with that stuff. So I let somebody else do that. Uh, it is funny though, because sometimes I'll run an idea by someone and they'll be like, nah, I'm not seeing it. I don't think that's a winner. And sometimes I'll listen to them, but sometimes my gut tells me, yeah, they, that's still worth doing. Or maybe they're not understanding what you're describing. And there have been numerous projects that I've stuck to my guns when people say it's not going to work and it does work. Uh, I think a good example is printmaking. I have several dear friends who are artists here in town with good printmaking backgrounds. And I don't have a background in printmaking, but I like doing it. And so I always come up with these crazy ideas and I run it by them. And they're like, I don't think that's going to work. And sometimes they're right, but sometimes they have worked. And sticking to your guns and following your gut is, I think, important. But also listening to people whose opinion you respect is important, too. It's a fine line. Yeah. Like you say, in all aspects of our lives. So outside of the printmaking, any other uh, mediums, like some of the bigger pieces where, where people were like, no way. And all of a sudden it it turns out to be something pretty amazing. Uh, We did an installation sculpture. uh, Felicia Reeser and I did many years ago on their ranch and we made a buck and rail fence that lifted up off the ground for a hundred feet and came back down. And that was just using logs and wire. And it, didn't seem like it was going to work and her dad was pretty questionable, but then he kind of came in at the end with his fence skills and showed us how to like tighten wires. And we made this like organic floating fucking rail fence. And I don't think any of us were sure it was going to work, but we really wanted it to. And it did. And it wasn't long-term installation. I think it was up about three weeks. So cool. But fun. Awesome. So of the projects that you've got in flight right now, what, uh, what are you working on uh, that you feel like you can share with us? 
Well, I'm making a skull right now for the Cloudvale Hotel. Um, I found a great piece of dried pine on a friend's ranch and just started carving it. Got the skull pretty well worked out. And then the antlers are screen, stainless steel screen, and they're going to go over the fireplace or yeah, over the fireplace outside by the pool, I think but they might move it around a little bit. They're not sure. And then this winter, I'm making giant flowers. I've got four different commissions for supersized wildflowers, doing sticky geranium, some wild roses, uh, some blue camas, and uh, a purple coneflower. So those I'm really looking forward to. They're really fun. And what are we talking in terms of size-wise? Uh, smallest one will be probably the sticky geranium, and they'll be four or five feet in diameter. And then the tallest one will probably be the blue camas will probably be like 18, 20 feet tall. Wow. And these are already things that people have commissioned you for, or you're yes. just building? No, uh, those are all commission pieces. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I'll start on them in January and hopefully be installing them all in the spring. And then anything in the furniture realm? Uh, not currently. I have a few uh, prototypes of a couple coffee tables I really want to make. I Sometimes what happens is someone shows some interest and then you do some design work and then the project doesn't happen, which is not a big deal. That's just sort of the nature of it. But then you have this design and sometimes you still want to explore it. I've built some sculptures after I designed it and the person didn't want it and I still made it. Um, sorry, I'm making noise here. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, the, uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, you were making stuff, even though maybe somebody decided they didn't want it, you made it anyway. Yeah. Uh, making a piece of furniture is involved and I designed these coffee tables that I really like. And I just talked to someone who's got a high-end furniture store and these are like $20,000 coffee tables. And I asked her if she thought she could sell them. And she says, if they look great and there's a good story, I bet I can. So I'm not sure what I'm going to fit them in, but I'll probably make those two coffee tables in the next six months. Good luck. Thanks. And then lastly, um, at least in terms of your art, any little projects you're working on that you don't really know where they're going to go. They're just like little interests of yours that, you know, in your sort of mad scientist art cave, uh, anything you're playing with that you're, that's sort of cutting edge for you. Yeah. A couple of things. First of all, the, the heavier gauge screen, like I usually work with screen, like similar to the end of this mic that you can form by hand, but using this heavier stuff, you can hammer it and get these nice compound curves in it, but you can still see through it. It still has this nice moray effect. I'm going to be doing that on this bench. I'm going to start in a, about a week or so. And then I also, someone gave me some bronze screen. It was really lightweight screen. And I made a hummingbird out of it a while back. And people really like that. And I, I'm not sure what to do with them, but I think I will probably make several more hummingbirds. Well, I, I know what I'm doing with a few because a few people have requested them. Uh, so, yeah. And then, you know, before we round out, I just want to ask a few more questions about some of the, the business of being in the art world. Yeah. And, you know, you had told me that while over the years, the 20 years, it's been a kind of upward into the right trajectory. So things have been, you know, slowly or even sometimes rapidly growing for you. But then you've had, you know, hiccups, right? Whether the economy takes a tank or whether, yeah. you know, any of the number of things that have all impacted this. What do you have to do what would you have to be willing to do in order to stay on your path to, to being an artist full-time? Kind of just double down, like just, just grind, you know, just 
put in the more hours, work hard, work hard, work hard. I mean, you got to break, got to take breaks, but part of art making is the grind is the wrestling is the frustration. Like I might spend 12 hours in the studio, but it's not all production. Some of it's thinking, some of it's experimenting. So you just kind of dogged persistence, like an irrational belief in yourself to some degree. Hence the delusional optimist tagline of this show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Irrational optimism is it's funny whenever I do a new piece with a new material and a new subject matter, oftentimes my mom asks me, how'd you know that was going to work? And I usually say, I didn't know it was going to work. I just thought it might. And I worked hard at it and made it work or I scrapped it and started over. You know, some of these things I tried don't ever work. But uh, with respect to like the business of making art, I was, I think it's super important to have that background. And I think that's what a lot of artists are missing. There's so many amazing artists out there that are making world-class art, but if they don't know how to make a living and how to budget and how to price, they, they're probably not going to. So I encourage people to learn some of that practical stuff. It's not as much fun as art theory or color theory or 3d design or whatever, but it's pretty important. And you, you learned some of it. I imagine in, in UNLV when you were, you know, going through the hospitality, you know, management program, did you pick up stuff along the way since then as well? I learned the most starting and doing the restaurant, you know, just like the idea of starting a business and needing insurance and needing a business license and needing to advertise, uh, being professional, like I've mentioned. Cool. Uh, yeah, you just, you, that, that applies to all kinds of things. So it worked well translating into my art world. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that you make has, is definitely has a, a, a tie or an inspiration, it seems from the natural world. And I know you're a climber and you're a fisherman and you, you, you know, you have snow sports in your background. Um, what else are you into outside of art? And then also where do you draw your inspiration from? Yeah. The, the inspiration comes all over the place. Uh, I love spending time in nature. Uh, I have had a bum hip for the last couple of years, so I haven't been climbing and running as much. I really like to trail run. We're going to, I'm getting it fixed. So hopefully I'll be faster soon. Uh, the world around me, uh, I care about the environment. I care about the state of the world. I read the news too much probably, but I don't have a TV, so I don't watch it. And, uh, I'm trying to make the world a better place, trying to make people aware of the importance of nature. I'm trying to learn from nature. Like I, I think I'm always exploring, like the, the patterns that show up in nature, like the Fibonacci pattern that you see on pine cones and sunflowers and lots of flower species and the branching of, lead, of, of a tree and the root system. I feel like there's something to learn from that. I think there's a lot to learn from nature, but I sort of, move, I'm kind of on a scavenger hunt, but I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but it's, it has to do with nature and the natural world. And uh, I want people to... I think one of the things I'm good at is noticing things in nature that are astounding or beautiful that someone else might not notice until it is placed as a piece of art. Well, as someone who's known you for a number of years, I'll also say that that is kind of how you feel to people, right? You know, you know, you pick up on things. You're not afraid to talk about it. You're not afraid to like suck somebody in and, 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 you know, share your energy and, and, you know, when you move around, 
town, you see these different art pieces, you can say, oh, that that's a Ben Roth piece. It's, it's, it's very much, I think, uh, an extension of you. So super cool, Ben. Look, Thanks. I really appreciate you welcoming me into the studio and all the time you spent sharing some of your thoughts. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of the summer and uh, nothing but success for you. Thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate it a and lot. Actually, you know what? Sorry, there's one more thing. If folks yeah. want to find you, how do they get a hold of Ben Roth for you know maybe a, an art piece? Yeah, I've got a website. It's Ben Roth Design. I'm in the process of updating it so it'll work better on your smartphones because it's a 20 year old website. It should be uh, the new version should be up in a few weeks. I'm also on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Rothinator. And that's where my work shows up first. So the people who are trying to buy a piece that's not commissioned, that's a good place to follow me. Because while I'm working on my commission pieces, I usually have got some other pieces on the side. And that's the first place you'll see it. Fantastic. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Take it easy. The Trailbreaker Podcast is created by Aaron Feinberg with production support provided by Michael Morey. More interviews and videos can be found at AaronFeinberg.com.